hello and welcome to the Southern Witching Hour podcast with Lady G. Now, as I prepare to watch the Twilight Zone marathon that runs from New Year's Eve throughout New Year's Day, I decided to stop and share my favorite Twilight Zone episodes with you. Now, this was a hard list to make because I have so many Twilight Zone favorites, but it is fodder for hardcore Twilight Zone fans and an introduction to newbies. <laughs> so these are not in any particular order, but I will call out my absolute favorite episode. So first we start with a stop at Willoughby. Now I'm going to give you some basic information about each episode, like the air date, the episode number and season and who it was written by. I'll also give you basics of the plot, but not too much. I'm also going to include the closing narration and give you just a tiny, teeny, tiny commentary. So, a stop at Willoughby. Gart Williams is a 20th century New York City advertising executive who has grown exasperated with his career. His overbearing boss, Oliver Miswell, angered by the loss of a major account, lectures him about giving the push, push, push until Gart insults him. Unable to sleep properly at home, he drifts off for a short nap on the train during his daily commute through the November snow. He wakes to find the train stopped and that he is now in a 19th century railway car. Deserted except for himself. The sun is bright outside and he looks out the window and discovers that the train is in a town called Willoughby. He eventually learns that this is July 1888. He learns that this is a peaceful, restful town where a man can slow down to a walk and live his life full measure. Being jerked awake into the real world, he asked the railway conductor if he has ever heard of Willoughby, to which the railway conductor says, there's no stop called Willoughby on this line. <laughs> and of course, Rod does his closing narration. Willoughby, maybe it's wishful thinking nestled in a hidden part of a man's mind, or maybe it's the last stop in the vast design of things. Or perhaps for a man like Mr. Gart Williams, who climbed on a world that went by too fast, it's a place around the bend where he could jump off. Willoughby, whatever it is, it comes with sunlight and serenity and is part of the Twilight Zone. Now, I think that everyone can identify with this need to get out of the rat race, to find peaceful places to be and serenity. But what I love about this episode is I had a feeling what might happen, but baby, the way Rod Serling tied these things all together in this episode was masterful. I didn't see it coming. Next, The Hunt. Now, this episode was season three, episode 19, written by Earl Hamner Jr. And the original air date was January 26th, 1962. Hyder Simpson is an elderly mountain man who lives with his wife, Rachel, and his coon dog, Rip, in the backwoods. 
Rachel does not like having the dog indoors, but Rip saved Hyder's life once, and Hyder refuses to part with him. Rachel has seen some bad omens recently and warns Hyder not to go raccoon hunting that night. When Rip dives into a pond after a raccoon, Hyder jumps in after him. Only the raccoon comes out of the water. The next morning, Hyder and Rip wake up next to the pond. When they return home, Hyder finds that Rachel, the preacher, and the neighbors cannot hear him or see him and are tending to the burial of both him and Rip. Walking along the road, Hyder and Rip encounter an unfamiliar fence and follow it. They come to a gate tended by a man who explains that Hyder can enter the Elysian fields of the afterlife. Rip cannot enter and will be taken to a special afterlife for dogs. Hyder angrily declines the offer of entry and decides to keep walking along the Eternity Road saying, any place that's too highfalutin for Rip is too fancy for me. <laughs> now, the closing remarks by Rod Serling, travelers to unknown regions would be well advised to take along the family dog. He could just save you from entering the wrong gate. At least it happened that way once in a mountainous area of the Twilight Zone. Now, this little episode was a no-brainer for me because I love dogs. I know how devoted people can be to their pets. And because I love the supernatural, I was immediately intrigued when Hyder's wife shared some omens that she had seen. I had to see what was going to happen. <laughs> the fun part of the story is how one good turn deserves another. And you'll see what I mean if you watch it. The Last Rites of Jeff Myrtlebank. Season 3, Episode 23. Written by Montgomery Pittman. Original air date, February 23rd, 1962. So in the mid-1920s, in a small rural town in the southernmost section of the Midwest, a man, Jeff Myrtlebank, returns to life at his own funeral, causing the grievers to flee the church. The townspeople believe that the man must be possessed by a haint, even though the town doctor declares it was more than likely a condition that imitated death. His heart stopped days prior after fighting influenza. Jeff seems normal enough, yet he has changed. He has suddenly become a hard worker with exceptional strength, yet consistently eats less since his return. The townsfolk and doctor discuss it further, where the doctor reveals that Jeff's heart had completely stopped and that he neither reacted to a pinprick nor fogged a mirror with his breath. Everyone seemed as interested in what transpired during the days Jeff was dead as in how he came back to life. Now, the closing comments by Rod Serling are, Jeff and Comfort, whom Jeff married, are still alive today, and their only son is a United States senator, noted as an uncommonly shrewd politician, and some believe he must have gotten his education in the Twilight Zone. 
Now, when I saw this episode, I had to wonder what I would do if I had witnessed a person come back from the dead at a funeral. <laughs> Child. Now, it was funny and thought-provoking, but I ain't gonna lie. The closing narration about Jeff and Comfort's son being a shrewd U.S. senator who must have gotten his education in the Twilight Zone. Child, that made me think about Mitch McConnell. <laughs> Next, Jess Bell. Now, this episode is from Season 4, Episode 7, written by Earl Hamner Jr., and the original air date was February 14, 1963. Jess Bell determined that ex-boyfriend Billy Ben Turner and his fiance Elwin Glover not marry, enlist the aid of a local witch, Granny Hart. Granny casts a spell that makes Billy Ben forget Elwin and fall madly in love with Jess Bell. There's a price for the spell. Jess Bell will transform into a leopard from midnight until dawn. Jess Bell also feels herself growing colder and more heartless with each transformation. The witch explains that Jess Bell's soul has been extinguished and she has been transformed into a witch herself. Horrified by her waning humanity, Jess Bell considers running away from Billy Ben. His devotion to her remains unwavering, and she finds herself unable to give up her selfish desire. They arrange to be married. A hunting party, including Billy Ben, finds the leopard and shoots it, and it disappears in a cloud of smoke. Billy Ben finds Jess Bell's ring on the ground where the leopard had stood. Now, this episode did not feature a closing narration, Instead, it ends with a verse from a folk song that is heard at the beginning of the episode. Fair was Ellie Glover, dark was Jess Bell. Both they loved the same man, and both they loved him well. Honey, they had me at witch. <laughs> you see, this is a cautionary tale that warns about rash decisions and not reading the fine print when you seek assistance especially from the wrong person. <laughs> the next episode is The Grave. Now, this is season three, episode seven, written by Montgomery Pittman. The original air date was October 27, 1961. The outlaw, Pinto Sykes, is ambushed and killed by the men of a small town in the Old West. Sometime later, gunfighter Connie Miller, who had been hired to track down Sykes, arrives in town. He goes to the saloon where the men who hired him are gathered and is angry to learn that they had killed Sykes themselves. Moreover, on his deathbed, Sykes accuses Miller of being a coward, saying he had waited for Miller in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and even sent word of where he was and threatened to reach up from his grave and grab Miller if the latter ever approached it. Miller says that Sykes was a liar, claiming he had went to Albuquerque and found no sign that Sykes had ever been there, and also denies that he is at all frightened by Sykes' threat of vengeance from beyond the grave. 
After Sykes' vengeful sister confronts Miller, the men say they are convinced of Miller's story, openly admitting that they themselves are frightened of Sykes. They bet Miller $20 that he is too scared to visit the grave, giving him a knife and telling him to drive it into the earth there as proof of his visit. Miller accepts the terms and departs into the cold, windy night. He reaches the grave at midnight and plants the knife as instructed, but is suddenly pulled down as he attempts to leave. Rod Serling's final comment is, you take this with a grain of salt or a shovel of earth, a shadow or substance. We leave it up to you. And for any research, check under G for ghosts in the Twilight Zone. <laughs> now, this one is a good one. It's got all the elements of a scary story. You got people making promises from the grave. You got midnight happening. You got cemeteries. I mean... It's all the things that you want if you like scary stories. Now, I think the underlying thing, though, is it's interesting what people will do out of pride, even if it leads to their own demise. Here's my all-time favorite, Mr. Garrity and the Graves. Now, this episode is from Season 5. It is Episode 32. The story is written by Mike Caralagos, and the teleplay was done by Rod Serling. The original air date was May 8, 1964. In the year 1890, a traveling peddler named Jared Garrity arrives in the little recently renamed town of Happiness, Arizona, offering to bring the townsfolk dead back from Boot Hill. Initially, they do not believe him, but when he appears to resurrect a dead dog struck by a traveler's horse-drawn wagon, they believe him. After performing the resurrection ritual, Garrity, in seemingly casual conversation, reminds the people about the dead and departed, almost all of whom were murdered, who died after having a score to settle, and with whom, and so forth. The townsfolk grow uncomfortable at the thought of facing problems they thought they buried with the dead. When one apparent resurrectee is seen approaching town, a man believes him to be his brother whom he himself had shot. So the man bribes Garrity to reverse the ritual and the figure vanishes. Ultimately, everyone in town similarly pays Garrity to not revive their loved ones. <laughs> In the closing narrative, Rod Serling says, Exit Mr. Garrity, a would-be charlatan, a make-believe con man, and a sad misjudger of his own talents, respectfully submitted from an empty cemetery on a dark hillside that is one of the slopes leading to the Twilight Zone. When I first saw this episode, <laughs> I knew it was going to be good because the actor that plays Mr. Garrity's name is John Denner, always plays a good con man or a fraudster. In fact, he played in the episode of Andy Griffith where Aunt B gets drunk and starts singing, Tootsie, goodbye. 
Well, the premise is she drank some of his elixir, which is supposed to be a healing elixir. But really, it ain't nothing but alcohol, honey. <laughs> now, I guess what got me was how quickly people changed their minds about having their dead loved ones resurrected. But of course, it didn't help that he had done his research and manipulated these people by reminding them of their conflicts with their dearly departed. Also, the way the story keeps you guessing about whether or not the man can do what he says he can do. <laughs> I love this episode. It is by far my favorite episode of all time from The Twilight Zone. And that's really saying a lot because I love The Twilight Zone. I mean, I love The Twilight Zone. Now, I'm going to give you a couple of honorable mentions here, but let me just say, there are just as many on the list of episodes that I don't mention that I like just as much. These are good episodes to start with. The ones that I gave the full sort of plot teaser and these honorable mentions. But do know that really you just can't lose with any Twilight Zone episode. So my honorable mentions are The Bewitching Pool, which is a story about a place where little children who are unhappy in life can escape. Time enough at last. <laughs> this is a story about the end of the world and what happens when there's one man left with a library full of books to read. And he is an avid reader, but he's the only one left on earth. He has plenty of food. He has other resources and he has a library but nobody else to talk to the hitchhiker oh man this is the one where the lady keeps seeing a hitchhiker no matter where she travels on her way from i think new york to california now that is all the way across the united states she keeps seeing this guy in different places so um he keeps asking for a ride <laughs> And let's just say it tortures the hell out of her. The Howling Man. Now, this is an interesting story because it is hmm, the personification of the devil. And what happens when, let's say, he is captured. 22. This was a really good one because there's a woman in a hospital that keeps dreaming that she is being called to the morgue by a nurse and the nurse keeps saying there's room for one more <laughs> also the episode come wander with me it is the story of a folk song that is yet unwritten so those are some episodes to start with i hope you guys enjoy them I will be sitting all day in front of the TV, New Year's Eve through New Year's Day, watching the Twilight Zone Marathon. And I'm telling you now, you usually can find it on sci-fi. But if they pull any little crap like, oh, no, we're going to have an episode of, um, <laughs> of whatever. If they decide to create a whole new series marathon, I'm going to be pissed. But I'll find a way to watch Twilight Zone. <laughs> Even if I have to sit down and try to find them on Hulu or somewhere. But anyway, 
I'm not the only person who does this. There are a lot of people who do this. So if you are one of the people who watches the Twilight Zone marathons, hit me up in comments on my Instagram page at the underscore southern underscore witching underscore hour. <laughs> All right, you guys. Happy New Year. Take care. Lady G loves you.